we'll just jump right into things now. Um, so we'd love to do a quick little little intro as well. Um, you know, kind of your backstory, if you don't mind. So you started out kind of in, in, in studying film and, and like cinema um, yeah. in school. Um, was film the original path you wanted to take? And then kind of how did you make that transition? Um, you know, to the music side of things. Um, no, to be honest with you, uh, I mean, I'm from New York originally, like that's where I was born in Greenwich Village. And, um, uh, my mom got remarried and we moved to like this really small town outside of Sacramento, California. And, um, that's kind of where I grew up, uh, after like, you know, age eight and, um, it's like right before nine eleven, And, uh, went to this, you know, really small high school, that, you know, coming from the city and people had, you know, there it was like I, I had a barn where I lived, you know what I mean? It was a huge adjustment. Yeah. And, uh, it was, yeah, it was just a huge adjustment. I, you know, there was, there were even, you know, there was kids that would have like, you know, Confederate flags on their cars. I mean, this shit is just like, you, you can't make it up. And um, I'm probably like the only one of like maybe two people that is wearing like billionaire boys club at my school. And, you know, I was on the internet just like heavy, you know, that my generation is, you know, big Sean, Wale, Kid Cudi, um, the, you know, the, the, uh, the Louis Vuitton coin pouch hanging off the front belt loop. That's my era. Yeah. Blog eras, you know, that's what, that's really what raised me. That's what I grew up on. And, um, so I always loved the music and, um, I initially got into it, you know, this is pre Instagram. I initially got into it. Twitter came around, you know, 2008 and, uh, at the time had this wild fantasy of being a rapper myself, which didn't really turn out the way I thought it would. Um, but I used that to initially start my networking process on Twitter. And I would just like, because I listen to so much music, you know, I'm on Two Dope Boys every day, I'm on Ill Roots every day, I'm on, you name you name it. Um, yeah. uh, even, you know, the smaller blogs, like I'm just all over everything and I listen to so much music that, you know, I can, I'm hitting up these artists already very early and whatever, yeah, let's, let's work, you know, the same, the same old, right? And then I kind of, graduated into trying to get into producing which is pretty i mean i still had those rap dreams i guess like when i was like a freshman in college but i went to uc santa cruz like my two best friends from high school um we all went to santa cruz together uh and maybe just my poor lack of um planning ahead like film just ended up really being the only major that was the most appealing to me um after like political science just was not something that i really wanted to pursue and um communications they didn't offer so we're stuck with film yeah yeah i I do love movies you know what i mean i love like a lot of weird weird movies i'm i'm all about it um my favorite movie is palo alto and you know uh yeah I, i love i love weird stuff so um there just weren't any opportunities for me in Santa Cruz. Like I was in a fraternity, I was in Sigma Pi and, and, you know, I was 
try, still trying to produce. I'm still networking a bunch. Instagram had come around at this point. But even in the early days of Instagram, I thought it was just a photo editing app. I didn't even know that I had people following me. I didn't know you could do any of that in 2010. So um, that was when I was a freshman. And, and um, yeah, so as, you know, I became a sophomore. And again, I'm, I'm in a fraternity. I'm just kind of like trying to do something in music, anything in music. I'm looking for opportunities. I'm trying to intern at studios around Santa Cruz. I'm trying to intern wherever. I'm trying to get a job just to do something. Um, and nobody would give me anything, you know, the saying, like, you can't get a job without a resume, you can't get a resume without a job. So that's where I was stuck, essentially. And, um, I was able to, uh, make my way down to LA, um, the UC exchange program and was able to. You know, I miss a cutoff for fall and I, I get down for winter quarter. But I told my mom, like, yeah, I, I just need to leave. I need to go now. Um, I left right after sophomore year um, and I came down and I pretty much stayed that whole year, 2012, 2013. Um, and I as soon as I came down, I started working for the fader and marketing and interning at Sony and marketing. And I just hit the block like I was on Fairfax. Every day, I was working at Dope Couture. They couldn't afford to pay me, so I'm, I'm basically working there for free. Um, but I'm where I, I'm. I would go to everything because I would do my homework. I was meeting all the people that you know I knew because I knew these smaller artists. I knew the producers that made the songs. You know, I just I did. I would do my homework, so it, you know it paid off. And you know, I'm meeting people like this is summer 2012. So you know, I, I met you know Travis Scott back then. And, and, you know, he only had a couple songs out, but I knew who he was, and we had all these mutual friends. Like, when Ruigi first launched Rude, and I'm at 424 every day, like, I'm there. I was there when Jerry Lorenzo dropped off his first uh, samples of Fear of God to 424. And I was like, who's that dude? And Guillermo's like, oh, yeah, this guy, Jerry Lorenzo, he's got this clothing brand he's just starting called Fear of God. And I was like, oh, okay. And, <laughs> you know, things yeah. like that. Yeah. And, uh, uh um, yeah, so I mean, I was, I was in it. As soon as I came here, I was in it. And, you know, when even when like school was done, and I mean, I went, you know, I went on from there, uh, intern at A&R Atlantic under Aaron Bishop before he left for Interscope. And um, uh, from there, you know, I remember Warner Chapel tried giving me an internship at the same time. They asked me like, yo, can you do both at the same time? And I'm like, I wish I could, there's just not enough hours in a day. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I literally cannot. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I remember telling my mom, I just can't go back. You know, you're only supposed to be there for like one quarter and I stayed for a full year, not taking classes, but I'm interning and I'm doing whatever I can. And you know, I was being mentored at that time by Rob Holiday, a bad boy. And I knew Rob because I was the, I was the biggest young Berg fan that <laughs> could be, truth be told. <laughs> and I knew Rob Holiday because Rob Holiday was yeah. one of the main producers that made all of his beats. Him and AO, the producer, before AO got with Keys and, you know, built what they have built now with UCMG. Like, AO and Rob were those people for Young Bird. So, Rob was, you know, AO is in Orlando, but Rob is in LA. And I was able to link with him. And uh, I was actually like music editor of some magazine. Uh, called Annex Magazine that I don't think exists anymore, but I was able to use that 
platform to reach out to certain people being like, hey, I want to interview you. And that was another foot in the door for whatever I want to do. And I built that relationship with Rob. And he'd have me come out of the studio all the time, you know, Cassie and, and Jeremiah and, you know, Meek, all these people, Wiz. And, and, uh, and yeah, that's where, you know, we, we're so close to this day. And I know I've done a lot of talking already, but that's, no, no, really you're good. Me to, that's really what led me to where I wanted to be and where I, I literally was like, I can't leave. I officially transferred to Chapman, which is where I graduated from. And, nice. Um, and yeah, here we are. Yeah, man, that, that that's dope. And and um, one of the things that I love about like the to me, just hearing hearing it back is like that that through line is really just about I'm down to meet as many people as possible and offer two things. I'm down to meet as many people as possible and try and offer some sort of value. You know, like what do you need? How can I help? And I think yeah. that's severely understated these days because a lot of people tend to think. Um, you know, what's in it for me? How can I get this thing? You know, that's the first thing. How can I get this thing? And if you flip it on its head, things start to move a little faster because other people are asking themselves that same thing and they need help. Everybody needs help doing something. So if you can be that, that that's great. And then um, I lost my train of thought on what that second piece was that, <laughs> that you did in there. But I think that is just, oh, oh the, the other piece was just um, doing your homework. Like, so important. It's one thing to know, um, you know, one thing to be trying to talk to a bunch of people, but that's just, that just makes you, like, the fucking, you know, shitty guy at the Chamber of Commerce meetings trying to meet, you know, in little towns, just trying to meet everybody. You're just like, oh, I just know everybody. But if you don't know why you know the people, if you don't know the context behind it or why it's important to know this person and really try and build a relationship with other people, then it's it's just ultimately a waste of your fucking time. You know what I mean? And a waste of the other person's time. So I think doing your homework um, is something to be commended for because I'm really big on that as well. Like I've always – same thing. I'm a couple of years older than you, but that was always my thing is really just um, you know knowing who all the key players are, why they're the key players, what it is they do, and then – that is so crucial because then that also offers insight into how you can help, right? You don't always need to go and say, hey, what can I do for you? If you're doing your homework, you know, like, what it is they're trying to do and where they need to, somebody plugged in. And that's when you can say, yeah, I can do this thing. And that's when those opportunities start to pop up for you. And it's not even they're popping up. That's how you can, like, take advantage of them. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, no matter no matter big or small, um, I knew who they were, you know, even producers, like, yeah, DJ Doggy, pre. This is even pre um, Yellow Album by Don Kennedy. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how many people in this pre know that? Yeah, uh, pre Good Kid, <laughs> Mad City for Kendrick. So how many? You know, really, let's be let's be honest. How many people knew who DJ Doggy were was back then? Yeah, you know, and, and things like that is because I was doing my homework. Not saying he was not a producer, but saying like a lot of these moments where people are like. Oh yeah, yeah. We know you from X, Y, and Z. Like this is pre that, and I was just doing my homework at that time. And you know, Dahi was even one of those people sending Travis beats really early. Um, you know, I like, I just, you know, I remember certain moments like at at his spot when Dahi would like send certain beats, and those reactions were like just they were crazy. And those songs like have still never even come out to this day, but like it was it was nuts. Yeah. And, and and yeah, all that is just from like paying attention, doing your homework, taking notes, yeah. mental notes, 
you know, using technology to your advantage, saving posts, saving Instagram or, you know, Twitter threads and being like, okay, this is, you know, kind of connecting all these dots. Super, super important. So, so yeah, man, kind of fast forward, you know, you, you've done a whole bunch of stuff, you know, kind of from them working at Warner, like you said, um, you know, being mentored by, by some great people. Now you have your own company, right? And, you know, one of the big things that you've done over the last several years, obviously, is just, you know, working with, uh, Lex Luger as kind of the day-to-day manager there too. So, um, yeah, talk to us a little bit about how, you know, you grew your business, how you grew, um, you know, your company's name, how you grew that, how you grew, um, you know, your relationship uh, with with Lex and kind of how you guys envision sustaining the career. Because it's one thing, a lot of times it's like, you know, art artists on the come up, they're, they just want to work with their favorite artists and they get that and then it's kind of like, yo, I had this one song and that was dope. And then they kind of like stop working or don't know how to keep working, right? So yeah, curious just kind of on, on where you're at like today currently with everything. With Lex, um, with Lex, I met him, I guess, for the first time when I was, when I had just started working at Warner. Um, they gave me like this list of, you know, here are all these producers, like just hit them up and... Lex was on that list amongst others like Young Chop and you know it was a long list of producers and obviously I was a huge fan of Lex um he his music was like instrumental you know into my young development as a human being right we all know where we were when like Ham came out that was a moment and uh we got on FaceTime I remember and I was in my head was like holy fuck like i'm talking to lex Luger, like this is crazy and um we just built we built like a good relationship from there and when i stopped working at warner actually no when i was still working at warner i told him i was like yo i want to like i really want to i really want to um continue building this relationship with you i would love to work with you like in some capacity i don't think he had a manager really at that time this is 2000 it's like late 2016 very early 2017 probably and I was like, yeah, you know, I just want to keep, I want to keep working with you. You know, I'm a big fan of your music. I really want to, I really want to help you in any way I can. And, uh, and so when I stopped working at Warner, I kept trying to keep in contact with him. And I think my strength has always been really with producers. Uh, again, because I always did my homework and, um, Things like that. So, yeah, that, that, you know, it wasn't really on the songwriting side of things. It was with producers. So, Lex being one of those people, I tell him, you know, I want to build with you. I want to keep this, you know, I, I, how can we work together? And we, like, kind of stayed in touch. You just kind of, like, sent me beats. But it didn't really, blo- you know, I think whatever he was going through at those times kind of just prevented anything from like getting solidified um until summer 2019 i think i remember i I hit him up like earlier in that year like yo i want to manage you at this point i've you know i I had started getting the ball rolling with with my own company now at at that point um since launching it in 2017 but things didn't really kind of pick up until 2019 and I told him again, you know, I want to work with you. You know, I remember this time, I, like, he was like, yeah, let's work. And then he, like, ghosted me for, like, months. And I was like, 
you know, and I think yeah. we reconnected and I, I was, I, I honestly was pretty straightforward. I was like, bro, I would love to work with you, but if you ever do that shit again, like, I, I'm not going to fuck with you. Like, I just, I can't, that's un- completely unreliable behavior. And he, we started working together about late 2019 and we've been working together still since. And, you know, I've been able to do a lot of, a lot of things for him, you know, restructure his, his publishing deal, um, you know, get out that archaic language of an MDRC and, you know, because back then, I mean, I remember we remember during the pandemic, I think hit boy kind of highlighted it and something digital has been, you know, off about it for years, but, um, yeah, I was going to say, talk to us a little bit about those structures specifically for a minute too. Like, uh, and, and to be honest, like that's not even like my specialty as, as well. But from my understanding, especially I was going to bring up the hip boy thing, so I'm glad you did too. But like a lot of that is essentially the way those deals are set up is that if you have a hit, it locks you into further extending those deals. And the more hits you have, you're just still locked into some of those shitty deals and it's hard for you to get out. Well, to an extent, yeah. to an extent. Mm, to an extent, I'm not an expert on these kinds of things, but I've done a few of them now, and I've working with enough producers. I've learned what I've learned. It's essentially just like there's. It's just language. Music today is not what it was ten years ago, mm-hmm. or yeah, we'll just say ten years ago or 2010. Let's go based off 2010. CDs were still selling at that time, so lot, there's language in there that. You know, if if Aiden drops a song, no one gives a shit. Sorry, Aiden, right? <laughs> you get a placement. If you get an Aiden single, it does not matter. But at that time, if you get a Lil Wayne single, it will matter. So there's there was language in those kinds of contracts that were like, if you get a, a placement, it has to be with a major artist signed to a, like a major record label. It has to be a sing like things like that where it has to have like a barcode mm. on a physical copy sold in a stores. major retailer, yeah, major retailer. But Target, yeah, there's there's so few, you know, Fye doesn't yeah. really exist anymore. So it's narrowed down. You're really, you know, Best Buy or Target, like those are really your two main options. And CDs don't sell like they used to sell. So. You know, even at that time, like iTunes is kind of like mm-hmm. coming up, but like now it's it's completely streaming based. So things like that again, like if you got a single, even if it was a big artist, because it's because these stipulations mm-hmm. aren't even existent now, or they're not like they're not moving any needle. It's not going to count towards your so, deal. So yeah, a lot of this stuff just wasn't even going towards your quote, you know, your your quota, so to speak. It was like, yeah, you I did mean, a bunch of songs, but like that song never came out, or it was on a mixtape, or whatever. And yeah, you got paid, right. and we got paid, but like, nah, that doesn't count. Commercial, commercial mixtape is, you know, one of those finesses that back then used to used to actually be a factor in classification for the music that would have come that that was that was coming out that would count towards your deal. Mm. It's not an album, it's on a commercial mixtape. Mm. Now they're essentially the same thing, the only difference is how, you know, it's how you finesse whatever in your actual deal if you're the artist, but if you're what if you're whoever else, if it's on all platforms, it counts as being on all platforms and it, and most deals now are just straight recoupment based. So 
you don't really see that anymore. But yeah, those older producers still had to deal with things like that. Um, you know, Hit Boy, Sonny Digital, Lex Luger, you know, Rob Holiday, you know, you name it, those people that signed these deals at that time. And you could even say they're not necessarily bad deals, they're just outdated, mm-hmm. right? Like, who doesn't want a, a lot of money, especially when you start getting hits, right? But, like, you, you have an attorney, you have, you know, representation, and if, you know, you should be able to negotiate better things. I'm not speaking on whoever's situation was whenever it was, but these are things that, you know, you put in place to, to give yourself, like, especially if you have leverage around that time. So. Yeah. And so is, so now that you kind of, you, you've gone through that, you've, like you said, you've worked a number of publishing deals. How are you building out like your own company? What are the main focuses for you? Like obviously management is a component there, um, but are you trying to work with, <clears throat> you know, uh, just producers, you're trying to work with songwriters, are you trying to, what sort of deals are you trying to get? What sort of like revenue streams are you really trying to build out, um, you know, for the company? Yeah. So, you know, I never wanted to be a manager, just being completely honest with you. My dream was to be once rap didn't work out. (laughs) (laughs) My, my dream was, and and producing is just kind of always something I like to like here and there. Um, I think I just like ended up getting so busy, but like I was always doing so many things at the mm-hmm. same time. Producing was just always like a hobby at that point. Um, uh, I never wanted to be a manager. I always wanted to be an A and R at a label. That was my dream. It wasn't own your own company. It wasn't doing any of these things. It wasn't own your own label. It really wasn't any of those. I just wanted to be an A and R at a label and. Um, when I went, you know, I would always get advice from people like Sycamore or Tunji or you name it, and they're like, you need to get in on management. That's how you're going to get paid. At the time, I'm in college. So I'm like, whether whatever label I was interning for or like other labels that were hitting me up, like I remember Simon Cowell's label, Psycho, offered me, uh, offered me an internship when I was in college, it's actually really funny. A lot of these internships I got from multiple labels at the same time. Now that I think, because <laughs> um, I remember I I had gotten and I gotten an internship offer. This is like my last year of college from Warner Records, well Warner Brothers at the time, but Warner Records. Uh, and this wasn't even in A and R; it was in marketing under Il Kleinman mm-hmm. um, and uh, Quinn Coleman. Uh, rest in peace, um, DJ Spicoli, and you know they had offered me the internship, and we're literally right at the same time. Psycho Simon Cowell's pop label offers me an internship, essentially trying to find the next. You know, uh, this is like 2014, 2015. So like, well, at this point it's 2015. So trying to find the next boy band. Right, and I'm like, mm, that's not for me, like, <laughs> yeah, at all. Yeah. Um, but what's funny was after after I finished like my last semester of college, and and Warner doesn't offer me a job. Um, granted, I I was not the best intern. Um, just in their defense, I really wasn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I felt like I sucked. I would just get everything done that I needed to get done, and I'd be like. What else? Yeah. And they'd be like, well, we don't have anything for you to do. Just scroll SoundCloud. And I'd be like, 
Yeah, so we're similar time. I'm like SoundCloud on half of my computer. I'm watching ESPN and tennis on the yep. other side. People are like, you know, they can see you watching tennis. Like, you're in this little, like, hallway. Like, they can see you. And I'd be like, but I'm listening to SoundCloud. I don't understand what the, what the problem is. They're like, yeah, you can't do that. So, yeah, and that's, and that's some bullshit, too, because if you go into a lot of the executives' offices, they got the fucking TV on anyways as well, doing the same exact shit. Yeah, I'm bored. Yeah. Do you want Yo, exactly. Not every not every song on SoundCloud's a hit, man. I'm moving quick. <laughs> I'm, and I'm listening to music, so if I can watch something on mute at the same time, it's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. But they don't they don't offer me a job. Um, I go back to New York and I meet with all these executives that I couldn't meet with in L.A. Riggs Morales. I remember um, uh, Isaac Green. I don't even know if he's still at Columbia, but Isaac Green and, and Clarabelle when she was at BMG and uh, you know other people and. Uh, Riggs was someone that I had just been, I think, on email with when, when I was working at War. Or no, no, I wasn't working yet. I actually don't remember how I got connected with Riggs. Clarabel, I think, actually connected me with Riggs. And I meet him at his office, and you know, he tells me about him being at, you know, Aftermath and, and helping sign 50 Cent and, like, all these stories. And, you know, it, it was crazy. And it was funny. We reconnected when I got my job at Warner, uh, but, yeah, at that time, you know, I go to New York and people are like, yo, man, we see you doing your, like, you know, the execs are like, we see you doing your thing, but, like, we don't have a job for you. And I was like, okay, cool. And BMG's like, yeah, we could offer you, like, this temp position, but you'd have to move back to New York. And I was like, mm, really don't want to move back to New York. Like, mm, we still lived in New York like my family did, but I was like, I really do not want to go back to New York. Like, everything I've built at this point is in L.A. I'm getting super off topic now, but. You're good. Um, Everything I built was in L.A. Um, I can't leave. So, you know, I go take my tail between my legs back to L.A. Um, probably a little more than a year and a half will go by until, like, late 2016 that this opportunity comes up with, with Warner Music Group directly and Aton. And um, I just stay really consistent sending me with him. I'm just sending beats, like, three days a week. Like, I'm hitting up Hip Boy. I'm hitting up all these producers that I've built relationships with those on Yoni Beats, Any Beats, Any Beats. And I just stayed really consistent sending music and um, I'm able to get, you know, this job and I feel like my dream has come true. Um, the only downside is I am unfortunately, for me, working projects for Flo Rida and David Guetta yep. and Jason Derulo. Yep. Not Kalani or you know things like that. Yeah, so, and it's like it's no diss. It's just like again, if you're, you're like time is your most valuable asset and resource, and it's like you want to spend it on things that uh, you care about. Yeah, just I just you know I'm, again I'm getting beats from at, even at this point Hip Boy, OG yeah, Parker, yeah. you name it, and what you know they're just not for the right artists, and what if I have to send to for another artist, I have to go through their A and R, I have to go through that A and R's opinion. I do go through that person's ego. Who the fuck am I? Yep. You know, I'm just someone who thought really highly of myself. Yeah. Like yep. I was very confident in myself, and you know, I don't even I don't think that always came off in the best way that it could have. But that's how I felt about myself, and um, I never thought that I could. As I pull this all back, I I never thought I could be a manager until I got my shit together. Mm -hmm. And. I think at that point, I still didn't really have my shit together. Um, and because, again, how am I supposed to manage someone else's career when I, I have, you know, my own life isn't solidified yet? Yep. Um, 
And then, so when that ended, uh, I was pretty much just like, man, I got to figure it. I, I just have to do it. Um, you know, I, I, I can't do this like thing again of, you know, reaching out to all these people and, and, you know, trying to get a job here and trying to do that. It just wasn't going to work. So I just started really a company that even just really started as like a creative agency more than anything. My finesse around having to do the work as a manager and, <laughs> um, but it just grew and it really started with, uh, I think I immediately started working with Cosign from the interns, um, mm. because we had met when I was at Warner and we stayed in contact and, you know, he's, he's had, to, he's made hits. And I was like, yeah, someone that like is musically really gifted, who gets it, who's done it, who like you put in the room, will get it done. And yeah, we, you know, he, we're still close to this day. And he was someone that taught me a lot, you know, being that he's older and, and, you know, he's been through a lot of things. He was able to teach me a lot. Um, and, uh, so as I bring it even more further, it started yeah. with producers and then it started with, okay, like things just really started to, you know, 2019, I, I didn't even have that many clients really. It was just building out, it was just really trying to execute and what I could. Okay. Like the main producer, Brian, that I had started developing when I was actually at Warner, I'm like working with him now, all my producer connections, Seven Thomas, OZ, you name it. Like, again, I'm like, yo, connecting in with him, connecting with all these producers because like, even at this point, collaboration is, is what was really like moving the bar for, on a lot of things. So like, I'm just connecting in with all these people and, um, yeah, it, it started like the roster kind of like started growing out a little bit that end, you know, end of 2019 per se, kind of not really, but like kind of. And then it was probably like earlier 2020 things started building out and um you know even in the pandemic like i just figured things out in that time music obviously didn't stop only touring did but like working with producers yep i don't feel that like you know working with artists would so i just learned how to do certain deals like directly with pros learning publishing better to be able to do deals like you know those kinds of publishing deals so I just started putting those pieces together actually really in 2020. It's when things like really took off. And um, yeah, now, you know, and, and 2020 was when, you know, I like Strick hit me up and we, you know, and, and asked me to manage him. And, you know, that was a point for me where I was like, well, I don't want to start managing, you know, an artist. I really didn't have any intentions of doing so. Um, but if I do, I want to make sure I don't fuck up. So it actually took me like, he hit me up. I think he hit me up thinking I was a producer. Mm. And, mm. <clears throat> and I was like, mm. I just think he's from, you know, people yeah, yeah. like other people like that at the time. Um, and yeah, he was like, yo, I need a manager. And I was like, all right, you know, we just kept talking, I think for like, six months i don't actually start managing him until like august of 2020 and yeah thankfully i've you know i'm not saying i set the bar low for myself but i have far act exceeded all my expectations of like you know the types of deals that i i was able to get done and the types of bookings i was able to get and you know the pieces i was able to put around i'm like all right cool like this is you know we're seeing real progress and it's just about okay cool you know 
building that team around and now you know you just like you know you're essentially just one hit away right that's what that's yeah what does, so. yeah I, I mean i think um what you said kind of within that that last piece is just so true about um you know you're saying i don't want to say i set the bar low for myself what i think um is is a better way to frame that is that that, that i always like saying very much the same thing is like I'd rather under promise and over deliver than the opposite. You know oh, what I mean? And and like I think that's that's what you've done. You're like, yo, I, this is where I can help you, right? Like where you know for a fact that you can add concrete value to what it is they're doing. And then it's like, you know, it may not be high for what it is that they have, but you know that that's what you can hit on. And if you do that, anything above that is just that's icing on the cake. And I think um, it, it's important to call that out because there are so many people within music and entertainment that you know they see the glitz and the glamour of that and you know they they just talk a lot of shit yeah i can do x y and z for you oh you're great and if i just had an artist like you i could do x y and z and it's like that's not always the case you need to be able to know how to do it who to speak with how to get those things done and and that takes um you know uh, uh, a self-assessment being like okay what am i good at you know what I mean? And what can I really offer? Um, and being and, and being true. And then, like I said, over delivering is always better. I say that a lot with producers, with other people. That I tell them, yeah, I can get you a million dollar pump deal. I can do this, or I can do that, and it's cap. And yep. You know, I think like later on, like Strick and I had this combo where he was like, "Man, you should be trying to get you know, twenty thousand dollar bookings, right?" And I, I would say like, if I told you. Because again, I don't. I'm not the type of person to to say those kinds of things and, and under deliver, right? If yeah. I told you that I was going to be getting you twenty thousand dollar bookings and I'm bringing you back two thousand dollar bookings, I would fire me. Yeah. Yep. And I can't do that. I can't tell you that this is what it is, and I'm bringing you much less. So if I'm bringing you two three k, and it's going up from there, that's how I'd rather focus it rather than like telling people your rate is 20 and i'm not getting anything yeah so and and then especially on things again it's really about that self-assessment self-awareness to really understand where you're at and to to level set we need to operate from the truth and and the actual facts that the artist and the manager are dealing with if we want to be able to move forward and grow into something else if we both think you know and, and to be honest i think it's hard for artists to see that sometimes they pop off they have a certain thing they go viral a little bit one thing does really well and then they think that that commands everything else because they see other artists who say that they're getting those types of things uh do certain things and it's like that's not the case and at the end of the day it comes back to those facts if you're an artist you want twenty thousand dollars a show okay well what have you done to fucking dictate that you can sell that many to excuse me to prove that you have sold that many tickets in the past how many theaters have you done how many hard ticket sales have you done all of that it's all traceable now so if you haven't done that right now and that's how i level set it as well it's like it's it's just right now it's not to say that we can't go there but it's like right now you haven't done that and you can't do that and that's okay because the shitty thing is if some if if a fucking you know, I'm sure you can go and scam some promoter out a 20 grand and then when you go to that show and 200 people show up and they lose a fuck ton of money and then they don't pay you that night, that's a problem, right? And now you're setting yourself up for failure as opposed to success, as opposed to doing that, you know, SOB's 400, 3, 400 cap room, selling it out, having it be a great event, everybody talking about it, 
um, you know, that j just like we're talking about, that much rather go that way. Because like even the energy in that smaller room is better than like, oh, you got a big check. Like say that person paid you the 20 grand and you still did the show. If no one's there, you're still going to feel like shit. You're going to be like, ah, it's going to hit you on the other side. It doesn't hit your wallet, but it hits like your ego in the sense of like, oh man, maybe I, maybe I can't do this. And so, what you know, it's just smarter to build small and then grow. And then you have that data to show. Again, it's like where you're at right now, not where you're going to end up. And, and sometimes it's hard for people to see. You can still hear me on here, right? I, was gonna, uh, I got another call. Oh, yeah. No, you're good, man. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, man. Well, well, hey, we're coming down to time. I, I really appreciate you know the the insights and the deep dives. I think we hit on some some real tactical things. Uh, before you, I get you out of here, uh, have one uh, one tactical question for you. Uh, organization left on it. Or are you saying the forty minutes? Yeah, like we just like to keep it like short and sweet, so that way, yeah. like we're we're good for the listeners, good for your time as well. Um, but but I, I, a couple more questions for you. But one uh, quick one, just a tactical one. Organization's a big key. You know, you talked about it before. Like you didn't think that you could be you know an effective manager until you had your shit together. So from a real tactical in the weed standpoint, what are some of the things that you use? What are some of the apps that you use to make sure that like you're staying on top of things? Obviously, texting is a big thing, but are you a big Dropbox user? Are you a big Google Drive user? Like, what do you use to keep your shit together? Or is there no like one thing for you? I hate Google Drive. <laughs> I hate Google Drive. I started using Box. Obviously, when you work at Warner, everything's on Box. So, um, I was using Box as my primary organization, organizational um, method, especially when I had, you know, like more interns and people working under me. I'm like, okay, this is like this is Box. So like, what's Box? Like, doesn't matter. This is what we're using. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Mm, lately, because it is just me for the most part, um, I haven't been on Box as much. It's really like a testament. I mean, I'm not perfect. Some things get forgotten, but like I really just be using the Reminders app in yeah. my phone. Like I use Reminders a lot. Yeah, texting obviously, but you know. Yeah, I, that's the thing. I haven't I haven't gotten into the Reminders app. I'm just big on the calendar, and then like within the calendar. I always, I always set the the alerts. So it's I, I I do two alerts for like everything. It's like fifteen minutes before at the time of the event, and like I, I'm big on that. But I haven't gotten into the reminders. Yeah, reminders are good. I mean, I just it, you know again I'll make a big list like I, I did. I got a ping you know twelve minutes ago, which is like okay. Yeah. Okay. okay got you. So um, yeah, reminders is good. It's probably like my main one. I just yep. do my best to not like forget things, and I still you know I do forget things, but. If I forget them, uh, they probably just weren't that important. Right. Into whatever else has to get done. Yeah, yeah, well said. It's it's really just about taking notes. And if you didn't take that note, it probably wasn't super important. And it, and it may come back around again. So, so you're kind of good. Well, uh, well, dope, man. Uh, two final personal ones for you. Uh, let's start with this one, though. Uh, what are you... Are you reading anything? Have you read anything lately that's really kind of blown your mind or changed your perspective in a way? Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll broaden it a little bit too. I usually say like, have you read anything? But have you watched anything or listened to anything that's been like, yo, just really eye-opening? Um, I like to ask this question now because there's so much shit out there and there's definitely a big emphasis on trying to watch everything new and trying to catch everything. And 
I've come under that thing where it's just like, yo, it's impossible now. I'm not even, I'm like, it's still hard and I still get the urge, but I'm really trying to be like, I'm not trying to do everything all the time to watch all the new shit, but it, but it's tough. Right. So, but yeah, man, curious, you know, what you're absorbing lately and, and kind of anything that's really, you know, stood out. Um, I unfortunately do not read as much Actually, I really don't read much at all, to be honest with you. I'm not saying it's a good trait, but I've just never been that person. Um, maybe because I had ADHD when I was young. Yep. Uh, you know what? I will say I did watch this YouTube video. I'm going to find it real quick. <laughs> and it actually was about how... Uh, what happened to the Earth five minutes after the dinosaurs went extinct? Oof. And yes, it's called the first minutes the dinosaurs went extinct. The what? YouTube. It's got like five point three million views. Yeah. Um, basically, what happened to Earth after the dinosaurs? And it's like, oh yeah, like yeah, we know this. You know, we know what happened, but yeah, we don't. We don't know like what happened. <laughs> it was watching this video and seeing numbers like real numbers of the impact that I couldn't fathom hit me being like, okay, well, um, I know it's completely unrelated to anything else, but I think I was just, I mean, I sent this out to so many people cause I was like, you need to watch this. Like, this <laughs> we didn't learn about these things. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm not saying things like that were like little wake up calls, but you know, when you start getting into like the existentialism of things, like, yeah, okay, it's you just take a deep breath and 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 try and you know maybe okay like I'm just gonna try and do a little bit more than I was already doing yeah um, things like that uh, yeah man that, that was a big that was a big video I don't know bit like but I'll, I'll I'll watch more videos than than I, I like to do reading but yeah um, you know, like little sayings things like that I think you know I started quoting like that line insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Um, I've said that a few times over the last few weeks and, um, yeah, just, yeah, I would say that completely unrelated video to anything, um, made an impact. Yeah, man. I, 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 perspectives. Yeah, sure. man, for sure. Like that's, uh, I've had a couple of those, especially when you go into, in New York, when you go to the, um, uh, Museum of Modern History and you go right. and you see that big ass globe and then. They, they have like this whole thing of the solar system and then earth is like this fucking little tiny thing it's like oh yeah okay we don't mean shit <laughs> it's yes. like we're so tiny so insignificant and like yeah to your point sometimes it's hard it's like oh shit but then at the, the the flip side of that is like all right well you know while i'm here i might as well fuck some shit up in a good way and and, and try and you know have, have a positive effect on people For more information on Studio Talk, visit us at studiotalk.co or on all social platforms at Studio Talk Co. At Studio Talk C O.